0: I'm Lindsay, mom of two active boys on the West Coast and believe there's no reason for money to be ugly. I love helping busy moms make it pretty without using
1: cash envelopes or coupons. I'm Megan. Me and my husband, we have four kiddos and I relate more to the dad role than the mom. And I'm an HGTV loving, oversharing finance nerd.
0: Together we host the Money
1: Stuff with Moms podcast. We understand the hashtag mom life but we also can appreciate the big picture adulting responsibilities like money. In this podcast, we invite you to be a part of our no-fluff, fun conversations that will give you helpful on-the-go finance tips, even if it's just a peek behind the curtains to hear about what we are doing with our money. Today on the Money Stuff podcast, we have a special guest, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Richard introduce himself, tell us a little bit about him, and tell us how you help people.
2: I like long walks on the beach. uh Other than that, I am married. I have five kids. I'm I live in Calgary. I used to travel a lot before COVID, uh, but since then, uh, a lot of my engagements are just online. So that's uh, Uh, a difference there. Uh, And something unique and probably weird is I love talking about credit, which is something that most people don't. (laughs) So uh, that's really what I do focus on is teaching Canadians how to understand and improve their credit.
0: If anybody's interested in uh, checking out his website, check the show notes. He's got a really great book called The Credit Game and lots of awesome resources. So uh, if you are interested in diving in and learning about credit from a guy who loves to talk about (laughs) credit, (laughs) most of your friends probably don't. Uh, So uh, you can go and check them
1: out there. So if improving your credit is a priority for you, can you tell us what the main reason why people have that goal? Like why does credit matter?
2: well if if you're married or in a serious relationship, the most important thing is competition on who has the better credit score <laughs> in the in the p- partnership that that is the most important thing. Uh, but when it comes to just credit in general, uh, in my message is very different from what you've probably been exposed to or or kind of what I call brainwashed to believe that, uh the score is is really important and you should chase a high score i think the score is stupid and i think it's very misleading and it causes more headaches than what you probably want in your life and so my focus is really just to teach canadians how to play the credit game so you're not worried about whether the score jumps up or down or you know what you're seeing online because that's not even the score that the banks use and essentially get away from uh, the confusion and the headache of it all and and bring it down to actionable steps that are pretty easy to follow once you know. So I'm not going to say they're common sense because uh, that 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 would be a line. Uh, but uh, once you know them, then they're pretty easy to keep in the back of your head while you're busy doing everything else that uh, is way more important to focus on.
1: So let's say that in this battle of the spouses, my credit score isn't as good as my spouse's. What would be some of the reasons what that would be? Like what, how do, how am I getting myself into credit trouble?
2: So if you want to compete with spouse, (laughs) the best way to jump your score as quickly as possible is to look at your balances on the credit cards. So Balances on credit cards affect the score more than almost everything else oh. on the report. So other than paying your bills on time, which I'm hoping your your mom taught you when you're young and, and you've you've listened to her, uh, those wise words, those are pretty straightforward. But when it comes to really beating someone when it comes to credit score, it's all in how low can you keep your credit card balances? Always throughout the month, not just at the end of the month, but always throughout the month.
0: Um, do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Like why is it important for it to be always? Right? There's so much um emphasis on due dates, right? And yes. paying it on time. So why does it matter if it's always? What's the difference?
2: So a lot of people will focus on, hey, I need to pay it off by the end of the month, but hmm. your credit card doesn't report. At the end of the month, it can report during the month. And, and it's generally every 30 days, uh, but it could be a little bit longer. It could be a leap year. It could be the, the Pluto is shining somewhere. It shouldn't. I don't know <laughs> what uh, their their algorithm does. And, and it can be random. I have tried to track it. And there's some people that will it like it. A lot of times it will come out at the print of your statement date but it doesn't necessarily always do that. And I've tracked them and every time I try and think, or I think I'm getting close, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they screwed up on me. So um, I, I really don't know the, the simple answer. Mm -hmm. And once again, all my tips, all my suggestions are built for someone who has way more important things to do with their life. Mm -hmm. So if if you want to track that um, please comment below, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let me know what you found. But, uh, as far as the, the safest and the best way to, to focus on that is just to always keep it under 50% of whatever your limit is throughout the month. So if you're using it more then just pay it off more often, or if you don't want to use it as much, don't, you know, use debit, uh, debit visa or MasterCard or, or cash or whatever. But, um, that that's the key that I spend a lot of time talking about when it comes to credit.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So much emphasis with paying on time,
2: which for good
0: reason, paying on time is great. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but keeping a high balance all month long and then paying on time is not ideal.
2: It's not enough. And and that's the, the problem is, as when my history is mortgage financing, so I would see people come in and they have high net worth and, and great income, and they're really annoyed that their score is only 600. And mm. the main reason why is because their score or their credit balance is showing maxed out or very high. And that has the potential of dropping your score 50, 60, 80 points in a month. Um, so I've seen triple digit drops in the score. Just because you get caught over the limit, some some random fee comes out or, you know, a payment comes through that you weren't expecting. And now it's at zero. But when they caught you, Uh the snapshot is showing over and that's what matters to the score.
0: So interesting, and we are not talking about credit card points here today, but it just that's what's like ringing in my head so much right now is like, okay, yeah, your flights were free, but the way you got the free flight was by using your credit card all the time, probably keeping a high score or a high, high, high balance, which keeps your credit score low, and now you're paying more on your house. So enjoy your free flight. Hope they fill up your champagne. glass.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and now we have the added issue with the fees, which uh, I don't know if you've had an episode on that yet, but now the credit card companies are allowed to, or sorry, companies or businesses are allowed to charge additional fees for using a credit card. So that's something where you need to analyze to see if those points are really worth it Uh, on the credit side of things the more you spend is is not a benefit to your score at all so pay or use it once or a 100 times throughout the month it has no benefit for your score by using it a lot so it's really just preference mm. at that point yeah.
1: i'm fascinated by the 50% of your limit metric just because a lot of people like to keep their limit low so that it forces them to hit, you know, like, so if they maybe had gotten to problems with collecting too much debt before they're like, you know what, instead of having $10,000 on my credit card, I'm going to reduce it to two because I only actually need about $1,500 a month on my, from all those expenses that come out on my credit card. And then they'd be Mac, they'd be hitting that 50% every month, even though they're trying to do it for their own best interest.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's one of those things where you can like the limit, whether it's five hundred or fifty thousand, that doesn't affect the score at all. It's just the balance versus the limit. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the key uh, and and hard to do sometimes. So my suggestion with clients that don't want the temptation of credit, but want to use well want to build their credit as quickly as possible, what you want to do or my suggestion is is find some bills that come out automatically so reoccurring monthly bills and use those for building your credit and then you can have them automatically paid off going into your bank or whatever uh, and and having those taken care of right away Um, because the problem is is that we have great intentions but when you finish filling up with gas if it's not paid right away, <laughs> I mean, how many stops along the way are you making where you're either using your credit card or you're going to completely forget when you get home to pay it off. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the challenge is, is that we have great intentions, but really you can pay it off right away. That's great. But I like the automated way just cause, uh, well, I, I think I mentioned I have five kids, so my, my brain activity doesn't, uh, really stretch that far <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah you know for uh for my clients who um if the conversation ever comes up about the uh the limit and being nervous or wanting to pull it pull it back i'm doing everything i can to have them just not touch that credit card um yep. you know if they tell me that they cannot if, or if they give me a sign that responsibility around credit is ultimately the, the thing that we're, uh, that we should be focused on, um, then yeah, I don't, I just don't want them to touch it at all. Um, right. and for other people, if that's not the the case, um, you know, sometimes we'll use a, um, a rule, like we only use our credit card for gas, right? something like that. So we are yep. continually using it. Um, but we are not using it daily, um, right. but, uh, <laughs> or, you know, the subscription for everything things yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so if people have not read your book um they have I'm horrified. no
2: pardon <laughs> i'm horrified they haven't You're read horrified. my
0: book yet <laughs> uh megan and i have both read your book i think i read your <laughs> book actually sitting on a beach somewhere if my memory is correct i think i read it in mexico um that's where Good i place. like to do most of my reading <laughs> yeah.
2: and,
1: uh, and i read it in my earbuds oh the well, audio
2: that- too. I did, did it put you to sleep? Because that's what my wife uses it for.
1: <laughs> that's so sweet of her. And you to have created yeah. that resource for her.
2: That's, I mean, that, that my... was the point. So. <laughs> was...
1: I love it. So it is on Audible for people who are interested in absorbing information that way absolutely um so if if uh they haven't read your book if
0: their credit score is no good um and now they are trying to uh get ahead um so if if they could only manage a couple of things what I'm hearing is that keeping their balance below 50 percent is really priority number one yes um and paying the bills on time is also priority right, right number there.
2: one yeah. <laughs> yeah they're tied for first place yes yeah yeah
0: yeah That's what funny. other than those two things like what are some of the horror stories you've seen or you know that people come to you in these predicaments right <laughs> they're calling you saying i want to buy a house i want to you know uh, beat my my spouse's score and it's 400. It's 500. I can't, I can't seem to figure this out. It's 600. Um, what are the stories that come along with those, uh, with those requests?
2: So uh, I'll give you, actually, we'll start with the horror story and then I'll end you with a a positive one, but our positive mindset, but, uh, the the horror stories, and I actually kind of joke about the horror stories in this chapter in, in the book, uh, but it's joint credit. And, and the reason why joint credit is, such a terrible idea in most cases uh, is because you're essentially giving your control to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so this could be co-signing, this could be guaranteeing something, this could be actually applying with someone other than yourself with some kind of form of credit. Now, joint credit itself is not bad. So just if you have joint credit to an inter- Freaking out because now I'm mentioning this. I, um, yeah, I want to kind of freak you out a bit, but not not that much. So just just know that there is no automatic negative just because you have joint credit on there. the The negative comes in the form of risk, and and so I call it joint credit roulette. Uh, and if if you've played roulette, uh, that that's one idea. I liken it more to Russian roulette <laughs> because of how crazy dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. And and it's probably just because I see all the the negatives and downsides of it, but uh, the, the challenge or the risk that you have to understand is that you are a hundred percent responsible for both the outstanding balance and maintaining the minimum payment mm. as soon as you put your name on something. So you are not 50, 50. No bank or lender cares what scenario or story. You're not the you're, backup. That, yeah, yeah. You're you're hundred percent responsible. It doesn't even matter what the judge says. I don't care what any divorce lawyer, any judge tells you. You're on you've signed, you're a hundred percent responsible for that until the balance is at zero, or you claim bankruptcy or or proposal or or something like that. And it really is that dramatic. And and the ch- challenge with it is, let's say you just sign up for, you know, a, a $1,000 joint credit card, because you feel like you want to do stuff joint as, as a couple. The challenge with that is that it may start at a 1000. But as you pay off your bills and do things properly, they're going to want to increase that limit. And so that it only takes one applicant to increase that. And I don't know how many people that are listening to this have been through some kind of divorce or separation, but it generally doesn't end well (laughs) or positive. And, and I know you also do some, you know, like financial planning with people. Uh, It's not just divorce or separation. It's also death that that is an issue with joint credit because you cannot have joint credit with someone who's passed away. So it's essentially as soon as the bank finds out that account is closed mm-hmm. and you are then responsible for making and paying it off. So there, there's just so many risks if, if that other partner falls, gets sued or or goes into an insolvency. Now you are 100 percent responsible for that debt. And not only that, it, it just they make one late payment. It's on your report as a late payment. And the banks and lenders don't care. What the excuse was, that late payment is now dragging down your score. Um, so that, I, I think hopefully that's enough to illuminate the imagination on how many ways that can go wrong when yeah. it comes to relationships. And whether it's a kid or someone you trust, it may be out of their control. Um, so it it may be some kind of fraud or whatever, or a, a spouse of your child's causing the issue who who knows i've seen it all uh but it it is pretty horrific because i i don't have anything for them when they call me with that Uh, and it's sad because of you know they're they're trying to do the right thing and then all of a sudden they're they're getting beat up pretty bad because of this one account that wasn't even their debt it's not even their car but yet now they have to pay for it or or essentially pay the consequence with their bad credit so
0: yeah, we did uh we did an episode um you can go and find it if you're interested which was uh our worst money mistake and that was my yeah. co-signing for uh, a boyfriend. He might have been a fiance at the time. Um yeah, yeah. luckily he's I did not marry him. <laughs> <laughs> I figured things out. Um but uh yeah, that was that was a hard a hard lesson.
2: Yeah, I do an episode where I uh tell my wife I would never do any kind of co-signing for her or the kids um, and uh, she got a little offended at the beginning but uh, by the end of the the episode she understands why but uh, and and there was there is one caveat to that like mortgage financing with house prices the way they are yeah. you kind of have to be joint with someone unless you're making really good uh, coin in order to uh, qualify for that on your own yeah, but the nice thing with the mortgage is it's pretty hard to run away with it, <laughs> and it's it, it requires both of your signatures to to sell it, that kind of stuff. And there is an asset attached to it, which is well, depending on your your uh, definition of an asset, but the that there is something there to protect, and you know, so the other person can't just do whatever they want with it, totally. which is different than every other type of account. Vehicle okay. loan you can just drive away. And there it goes. And then, you know, a line of credit, credit card, they're not attached to anything. So essentially that other person can do whatever they want with it.
0: Mm -hmm. So with kids, um, co-signing for them, not, not a good idea.
2: So I, I suggest, uh, what, what I suggest in my book is just get them started on credit themselves. So if they want a vehicle, First of all, I I don't necessarily suggest that they go and get $30,000 into debt (laughs) on their first vehicle. Um, But anyways, uh, just on credit, help build their credit, teach them how to use a secure credit card. I would gladly give my kids $500 just to build their credit and not be responsible for any of the consequences of that. Mm. Attach it to their name, have it their problem. And if they can't, and you really need to do it, put it in your name and make them make the payments. Mm -hmm. And if they don't pay, well, then you know that that money's coming out of your bank account anyways. Mm -hmm. So you're not messing up your credit and paying thousands of dollars because you have bad credit now. It's something where either put it all in their name or keep it in your name and and charge them 25% interest for (laughs) just kidding. Well, yeah the kidding. bank of I'm mom I'm not kidding. I, I I would do that but uh but my wife probably would be nicer <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's high rates at the bank yeah. of dad I suppose yeah. in, in your it's case so total horror stories come from co-signing and doing joint uh credit applications That's um, the number one. Yeah. yeah yeah what's the other story
2: um so the the one thing that I wanted to illuminate or or hope leave with any of your viewers is essentially if you have bad credit, uh, try not to label yourself as bad credit. Uh, A lot of people come to me and they're like, Oh, I have terrible credit. It's 400. And I'm like, this is great. We're going to have great fun with this because your score can jump up so fast because the lower it is, the faster it can jump. Uh And so we can do 200 point increases within a couple months as opposed to the boring 650 that just want to increase to 25. Well, that that takes six months, and I can only do 25. But with, with the 400s, the lower it is, the faster you can jump up. So that, that's one thing. But also just in the mentality of people tend to that have had credit issues in the past tend to keep that label. Mm-hmm. And just keep in mind that after six years, almost everything negative can come off your report. Right. So, it it's essentially just a, a waiting game. So there's a lot of things you can do to increase it now while you're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. But just because you are young and dumb, those two words go together for a reason. <laughs> it's True. that's the point. Be young and dumb. Make your mistakes, and then, but don't hold on to it as hey, I I'm still young and dumb. Take them on the consideration that you can learn from that. And then use that and apply it and, and you can have amazing credit uh, because one of the things that I have the most fun with is, is the majority of clients come in and they're like really depressed and like scared of what we're going to do and, and how hard it's going to be. And we pull up their credit and all their negatives is... with
0: needles yeah. or something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like I'm a dentist or something. Yeah. But uh, th- the great thing is, is that a lot of times all their negative is already off or it's almost off and so wow. i can say wow you're good to go and they're like what you didn't do anything well cuz i didn't have to cuz everything negative that you thought was holding you back is off next month or you know in in a year or so mm-hmm. and and if it isn't well here are the steps that you need to do and and then it's just waiting and doing those steps so awesome.
1: and are are those steps going to be different depending on the person or how how does someone go about fixing being young and dumb and then fixing those mistakes or situations that they had presented themselves in? Is it going to be a factor of who you are, or does it kind of doesn't really matter your personal circumstance, like your age and all those other things, or what what would so they
2: do? Age doesn't so a, a lender, it's actually illegal for a lender to consider age as a factor for underwriting so that that shouldn't now having said that how long you've had credit does so how long your active accounts do dramatically affect your score so i guess if if i understand the the question correctly my my biggest thing is a lot of it depends on more about what type of financing you're trying to rebuild for So if you're going for mortgage financing, then you need to know specifically what steps the lender's looking for. Because a lot of people, once again, get misled by their score and credit karma is showing 800. And that's great. And they're like, this is awesome. I'm going to go get best rates. And then they're really disappointed when they go and talk to a mortgage broker or mortgage specialist, and they're getting, you know, a half a point higher than their friend. And once again, that competition kicks in and that's just not acceptable. Uh, So what I, what I find, or one of the questions I ask is, okay, what type of financing are you looking for? Because trying to apply for a credit card is a lot different than a loan and a lot different than a mortgage. Uh, You could get declined with an 800 credit score for a mortgage and get approved for a credit card. And you can get approved for a credit card and get declined for, you know, it's, it's all over the place. So the the type of financing has a large factor on how you want to prepare for that and the timeframes around it. And then of course your, your personal credit history does come, come to play. So if, if you're mm-hmm. just out of a bankruptcy, a lot of people get freaked out with that and, and carry that bad label. Interesting enough within two years, you could qualify for best rate mortgage financing after a bankruptcy. Uh, so the, the timeframes, just because it stays on your credit report for six years, doesn't mean that you're essentially held back for two years, right? You're not, there's necessary. a lot of different yeah, things right. that can be done. And, uh, and, and that's the, the fun part that I get to do with, with clients. Is Cause they come in with, I'm terrible. I'm never going to get approved. And it's like, no, really we can get this done and, uh, and, and switch that around pretty, pretty quickly. Hey,
1: Megan here. I don't mean to interrupt the episode, but I just wanted to pop in and say how grateful Lindsay and I are to have you choose us to be in your earbuds today. If you have a quick second, we will really appreciate you hitting the subscribe and leaving us a five-star review. It really helps us promote our podcast more than you know. Now on to the rest of the episode.
0: Yeah, it you know, credit scores, they're so funny that you know nobody understood them. What five years ago, right? Like yeah. when did you write your first book? You have more than one
2: book. I do. Uh so 2012 is when the first one was published. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like so 10 years ago, right? Like back then it seems like for nobody. Making me feel
2: old. Yes. A decade. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I think I read it pretty much when you, (laughs) when you published it. So I'm just as old Um, (laughs) the, uh, yeah. So, so it seems like five or 10 years ago, people didn't know much about credit. Um, now with the advances of, you know, Borrowell and Credit Karma, uh, and you know, the different, uh, websites and apps nowadays, and we see them like in our bank accounts, depending on who you bank with and that kind of stuff. Um, People are more interested, but unfortunately, they're interested in the number and they're interested in the number that they see on those websites, which is not what the lender yeah. looks at. They're, it's, it's, I don't know, it, it's an interesting concept to yeah. me. Um, and I find that, um, you know, I, I always, when I'm talking about you, I'm like, he's the only one that actually knows what he's talking about. Um, and the reason that I say that is because like I, and I love your humility around it to also say that, you know, you don't have all the answers because like the answers and how they, they, these algorithms work, like they're just impossible to know. Um, I can only liken it to, you know, Facebook and, and, uh, Instagram. Like why does, why do things show up for me that don't show up for somebody else? Yeah. We can understand a few of the factors. Well, it's right. because I liked these four posts, so I get more of them. But then you get those like weird things that come up, and it's like, well, why did that show up for me? The algorithms are so confusing yeah. that, and if you ask somebody to explain them to you, they can't. They right. can take a stab at it, and so I feel like that's you know TransUnion and Equifax, which are two words that we haven't mentioned at all today. The the yeah. two uh, the two people that are that are uh, two companies that, that mentioned the, the numbers. Rule. Yeah the ones who yeah. make the rules. Yeah. yeah. And so all we can do is best guess. Um, and then, um, because this is what you do, your guesses hopefully are a little bit more accurate than others, but it's still like, it's just some weird things that can impact so much in our lives, like whether or not we get approved for the mortgage or what rate we get. Um, and in this interest rate environment, that's a big deal. Um, it is. and yeah, nobody understands it, but more people think they understand it than they used Yeah, to.
2: <laughs> I, I had to. So I used to go on Reddit and I used to go on the blogs and and try and answer questions. But the challenge is, one, a lot of our information, uh, and you would both understand this being in the financial industry, is one of the hardest things about being Canadian is that almost all the financial information stems from the U.S., yeah. which does not actually apply here in Canada and so that's the biggest thing is I I get tons of people getting information from US websites. And although Equifax and TransUnion are in like fifty-six different countries, the way that it's applied and also the algorithm itself is different here in Canada. So it's a different of thing. <laughs> Why well, wouldn't it so, be? Right. Of course. And and so there's different rules and and that's a big thing. And then of course, because you know someone has access to their credit report now and the and the the updates you know they'll they'll say oh I got an inquiry and it and it lowered my score 100 points there is absolutely no way that applying for one credit card or one credit inquiry lowers your score that much it, mm-hmm. it just it is impossible for it to lower mm-hmm. but because they saw it now they're that's that's their opinion and 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 so you get in these arguing battles with People that have only looked at their own credit report (laughs) and it's like, well, okay, this is just exhausting. So yeah, it, (laughs) it's hard because there is no schooling for this. It's really who can look at the most credit situations and analyze it the best way. Yeah. But unfortunately, Equifax and TransUnion, you can't call them and ask a question. The bankers don't know. Uh, you know the mortgage professionals just using their experience, and and so it, it it can be confusing to get what is the answer for for that.
0: Totally, yeah, yeah. Talk about uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um,
1: there's so I many intricacies to it.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Cards stacked against you. That's the saying that I like. Talk about the cards being stacked against (laughs) us, right? Something that is so important um, is it's not even possible, like, to really understand it or learn about it. (laughs) So if you don't understand credit, you're not a dummy.
2: Uh,
1: You are just normal. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, totally normal. Like, I feel like even from this, so I've read the book. I know, I know a lot about credit just from the nature of the business that I'm in. Plus like I help real estate investors that like my business is exclusive to people who are constantly looking for credit. Um, And then we need good credit to be able to acquire more properties, but also we screen our tenants based on their credit. And so it's this And none of us really understand what is going on. So I find this really fascinating because I, what metric, as people who are wanting to improve their own financial situation, but also people who use credit checks to screen Mm -hmm. for tenants, like I like the metric of knowing 50% of your balance, don't go over that. Like that's like a hard line where. You can create the watermark and not go above it. Yeah, right. but then when it comes to like the other metrics, like I always thought, like let's try to get your credit score to like around eight hundred plus. Like I was focused on that. So is that the wrong way to look at it? I'm and I'm looking at it from the perspective of a mortgage. Right. So, um, and that's another really interesting thing because I didn't realize that it differ depending on the type of credit that you're trying to access Mm -hmm. so if i'm looking for um, ease because getting a mortgage is they want everything besides your dna maybe even they do want your dna
2: i've tried to give them my firstborn and they will not accept it so everything (laughs) other than that they will want
1: maybe you should have offered to take their firstborn
2: Uh, nope (laughs) No, not <laughs> worth it. I, I'll I'll rent.
1: You <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't even notice it.
2: <laughs> I, I do I do notice <laughs> it. You wouldn't
1: notice. I hundred percent agree. Um, and so, it if, if I'm looking to get a mortgage and I'm and I already know this fifty percent rule. What metric do I care about besides that fifty? Like, do I care if it's eight hundred plus? Do I what What am I looking at?
2: Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, so I have a, a rental property. And the person came to me and she was really concerned, didn't want to give me access to her credit because she had been through a debt program. And I said, listen, I do this for a living. First of all, there's no way I'm renting anything to anyone without seeing a six-year history of how they handle their their money. But mm-hmm. more importantly, I look at things very different than most people, most renters or landlords. So when she came in, for me... Someone who has been through a bankruptcy or consumer proposal is higher on my list of getting accepted. And the reason why is because they have less debt than every other Canadian out there that hasn't been through bankruptcy or consumer proposal. Mm -hmm. So why would I want to deal with someone who has $100,000 of debt out there and one thing goes wrong and then they can't afford to pay rent? Or would Mm -hmm. I rather deal with someone that has no debt at all and has uh, as rebuilding. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then with
0: like a two or five year track record, exactly. And then the other
2: benefit as a landlord is I know they're not going anywhere because no one else wants them. <laughs> so for me, I can look and see what their payment history was before the, the insolvency. So if they paid their time, cause I can see the last six years. So I see the last six years they paid on time. Everything was good. They just, you know, whatever reason that, uh, that happened, But now they're debt free. Now their only expense is the mortgage or the rent. So in my opinion, there are a lot higher likelihood of being able to pay on time. Now, you do have to take that with a grain of salt, because you know, there's some people that obviously that would go against their character of of just bailing and jumping shit. But there's so many different ways to look at it. So that question there. Well, and also to give you an example. So if you look at a credit pie graph online, they'll give you five categories of how to build your credit, what's important. One of those things that has not changed, those percentages have not changed since the 1980s. So I I hate the thing because it's too simplified and it and it doesn't explain things good enough, in my opinion. But there's over a hundred things that affect the credit score. So just the score itself, there's a hundred different things. So We don't have enough time to go through that. And no one wants to listen (laughs) to me that long. We'll have you back
0: for another episode. All 100s. So get go.
2: It'll be the the least viewed uh, episode (laughs) that you have, I promise. Um, But as far as the, uh, and then as you were saying, even with that 800, there's things that the mortgage underwriter is going to look at. um, And and that one's hard. That's a hard question as well, because, you know, my history before is, is eight years as a high volume mortgage broker. So, they, I mean, there's certain things that an underwriter is looking for that they don't care what the score is. If you don't have this, you're still getting declined. So, for an example, if you come in and you've you have just one account, you can have a great high score with that, but you're not getting approved because they want to see multiple credit accounts open that you can handle that, that kind of stuff. So that that's something where once again, the score is extremely misleading because of the fact that people use it as a, a measuring stick to determine how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if your score is 500. I don't care if it's 700. I look at what information, like what's the story that that's that credit reports telling me because Mm -hmm. you have a six year history and that Mm -hmm. six year history will tell you much more truth (laughs) than, uh, than anything else in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more of the whole story. And, and unfortunately the score is just like, you're just a a brief intro. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to determine something so important like mortgage or renting a place when you can only see what kind of clothes they wear. So that's, that's great that doesn't tell me who you are, or how you handle money,
0: man. There are like, there's so many things that I could be like, but what about this? And what about that? I just, I think that credit is, um, is like I was saying, it, it's so important. I I do, um, a couple like financial readiness workshops yep. for local organizations who are helping adults like retrain into, you know, different jobs and whatnot. um, and I will often talk about their credit score for a moment and say, it's 2022, um, maybe probably by the time you're listening to this, it's 2023. Um, and it is not politically correct to um, try to put people in boxes and label them and give them grades and scores. So like, we don't do that as a society, okay. so- the credit score is there. And for an employer or a landlord, it's the one score that is politically correct. (laughs) How else are they going to score you? And so it's not cool. You could say like for, from some perspectives, we, none of us like being labeled, um, but it's the one legal politically correct label that they have. So that you got to play that game, you know, like it or not. That's, that's where we're at. And maybe somebody will come up with another way of scoring us. Hopefully they don't, (laughs) but, uh, but for right now it's, it's what you got.
2: That's what we got. Yep. That's the game.
1: That's the game. Uh, Meg, do you have any other questions? I don't have any other questions. I feel like this conversation was both enlightening and depressing. So, (laughs) um,
2: You sound like my wife.
1: (laughs) I think we'd get along really well. (laughs) Um, I don't have any other questions, but I feel also like this is one of those conversations where there was a lot of breadcrumbs and a lot of insight and it could percolate into some questions. So if it does, and and the people listening to this episode are feeling the same way, what's the best way to find you, read your content um, and get in touch with you?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give you my home address. It's no, <laughs> um,
1: come, come pre-cooked
0: meals for yeah. children. Yeah.
2: Or, or Care babysitting babysit? my kids. Um, <laughs> so as far as the best way, uh, I do have a YouTube channel where we do a podcast, uh, with my wife, uh, uh about credit. Um, so there there's on YouTube on, on credit TV, um, and then I do have my website creditgame.net which uh, has access to the book or it's on Amazon or, or wherever you want to find it um and then yeah the probably the the website's the best way or or mm-hmm. connecting with me by email um and I, I can post that or provide that to you you can put it in the show notes if you want but uh Perfect. um yeah th- those are the best ways to to reach out and just let me know what your questions are I mm-hmm the the crazier the the more interesting the more fun it is for me so
1: I feel like this is such a laser focused topic that you're talking about constantly is there anything that you can already predict that people will already ask you that we haven't already brought up in the episode like
2: oh oh, yeah okay I I, I like I get a lot of questions and so it I would suggest that the YouTube channel or it is a podcast as well. So if, if you go uh, credit game uh, the credit game on any of the podcast providers, you can uh, check that out as well. If you mm-hmm. like listening or my voice doesn't lull you to sleep, well, use it however you want, I guess. Um, But those, those podcasts, those are great because my wife asks great questions, mm-hmm. but also the, the all the topics are, are the, all the ones that I get over and over again. Um, so it, it, it's, um, the, there may be different nuances or, or different, uh, you know, versions of it, but as, as far as the the main focus, yeah, I, I generally get the same questions over and over again, but there's a lot of them. So it'd be hard to really pinpoint, you know, I, I couldn't answer five, it, it, you know, there's probably a hundred of different questions I get over and over and over again.
0: Well then on that, I think, um, I don't know. Well, I'll speak for Megan as as well. And if she's not interested, she can bail on me. But uh, I think (laughs) that we will do another episode um at some at some point uh who knows maybe this will be a new regular thing i don't know um and um but also uh we are very lucky to have you in my facebook group um yeah. that uh, our listeners know about already black is the new red um and uh and it's so great he pops in and yeah. and answers quick and easy um he knows in there it'll be canadians and uh rather than uh, hanging out on reddit so he hangs out with yeah. us on on facebook now, so <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that we'll wrap it up there. We'll, uh, you can find Richard in any of the links in the show notes. We'll probably have him back. He's in the YouTube or he's in the, uh, YouTube as well. He's in the Facebook group, lots of ways to connect with him. And, uh, thank you, Richard, for all of those great nuggets. I think that, uh, both Megan and I, as well as our listeners, like there's something that everybody can do. They can go and check. Am I staying under fifty percent? <laughs> um, they can go and set an alert on their credit card account to right. message them when they hit fifty percent. That is a feature with many credit cards, if not all of them. I don't know. I'll say many. Um, and, uh, and 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 uh, take some of your take some of that uh, advice. Um, put it into action steps right away. And say no to cosign. Say no. Yes. Just say no. It's not worth it.
1: Not worth.
0: Thanks for spending your time with us today.
1: If you heard anything that piqued your interest, check out the show notes because we probably have some extra deets or links down there. Your homework for today. Go talk
0: to someone about your money. Either your spouse, your kids, your coworker, or a licensed professional.
1: And if you don't like those humans today, we're always talking in Lindsay's Facebook group, Black is the New Red. So join us over there. Head over to Facebook, type in Black is the New Red. You'll see so many amazing, like-minded individuals in there trying to get better, asking the right questions, supporting one another.
0: We look forward to hanging out with you again on your next Dog Walk or while you watch soccer practice from the sidelines. Cheers!